Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Not going to lie, Josh Brown, at this point, I should probably come up with some sort of intro that is more rooted in the fact that we are the news lads and this is the news lads. Um, but this will also be the intro. I'm Scott Tailford, joined by Mr. Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. I like to, like just being here and looking at you work every single week, trying and scrambling to do an intro and make it relevant to the title of this podcast. The fact that we have a title at all, to me, is very impressive. So I think we're, we're one nil up, if anything. And I think so. I'm not going to lie as well. If the, uh, if the opening audio to that sounded a bit echoey, I didn't have my headphones in. But now that I've done that, it should be a little bit better. We haven't got time to restart because we've sort of been trying to cram a million things into today. So we're just going to keep going. The news doesn't stop. The lads don't stop. Just keep going. <laughs> Um, so first order of business is uh, Cyberpunk 2077, the thing that should clearly be a bigger deal than it is in regards to positive press. Um, but the latest thing is that um, Poland's own Office of Competition and Consumer Protection have opened an investigation into the game's continued development. Um, basically, they're a sort of consumer watchdog group um, that sort of check in when something is on fire enough that they need to sort of step in. Um, and they haven't done any action yet uh, in regards to um, you know forcing anything on CDPR, um, but they have released a statement saying that they'll be checking out how the manufacturer is working on introducing corrections or solving difficulties that prevent the game from being played on different consoles. Um, also, how CDPR intend to act in relation to people who have complained and are dissatisfied with the purchase due to the inability to play the game on their equipment, despite the manufacturer's previous assurances. Which is the floweriest way possible of just saying, we're going to try and make sure it's not knackered in the next few months. So hopefully, with you know, <sighs> some big official board keeping an eye on them, wagging a finger or two, It'll I think crash anymore. it might have been a part of that report or something slightly different, but I saw that they might be getting like um, charged 10% of their operating income from like last year if they don't push the patches out in time and get it to a specific um, state. I uh-huh. think that was just, it was in some kind of write-up that I was reading this morning. Sorry, I can't remember. This is the new la- news lads. I should have been more prepared, but I am not. I just go on things I half saw this morning. Oh, the amount of stuff. <laughs> the point is that obviously, yeah, they're getting like pressure from, um, you know, from the investors, from, you know, actual firms inside the country and stuff like mm. that. But I don't think this is going to be an easy fix. Like we've been talking about this for, for a while now. And even mm. though patches are incoming, even though development is still ongoing, like I just feel like there's too many issues and there's too many problems for it to be just smoothed over with a couple of band-aids. Like maybe it's going to be enough to meet the pressure from the investors and such and say mm. like, look, we are putting the work into it. 
But um, at this point, like I was messaging you earlier, and I was just saying, like, I wanna, I wanna love this game, Scott. And I if I waited for a proper next gen version, I would have loved it. If I played it without all the bugs, <laughs> if I played it without all the glitches, if I played it with the highest graphical settings, man, like I'd have, I'd have bloody loved this thing. And it <sighs> sucks that all of the news coming out of it is just kind of related to just how much of a complete disaster it was from like a internal perspective and a management level in how even the investors and even the people who you know cd project red answers to mm. felt like they were swindled um you know in regards to the state of the game at least on past gen consoles yeah the, the biggest thing they have to overcome is uh, i think it's marcin Awinski's comments that he was asked months before the release about the state of the xbox one and the ps4 versions and he was his exact line was well i say that his to paraphrase his exact line it was <laughs> that he was very surprised by how well they played on previous consoles um which is the easiest thing to hold up now and be like well you were literally lying because there was never a state of this game that was running smoothly unless you took a crowbar to it in between the last few months of development or something so that stuff is all that was um, part of the the ongoing US class action lawsuit where a lot of the shareholders and stuff are just saying like look we invested in the in the different version of the game uh, in regards to how you sort of advertise your, your shareholders and then um, stock and everything so I think there's all that and then obviously in their home uh, country they've got the whole Polish um, group looking in on them as well in more of just like a general mainstream sense like kind of what Watchdog does in the BBC in, the, uh, in England with the BBC and everything so it's a big old thing and um, but in terms of other news stories maybe more positive news stories you've got a nice little selection over on your I side. do have a selection some good some bad some middling but i want to ask scott <laughs> tilford how would you feel about kill zone just in general oh my god right man when, when you you messaged me this before we started i didn't know this was going to be one of the main stories but you sent me the headline saying that they've shut down the website i rejoiced i typed in capital letters and i thought <laughs> thank the maker because kill zone has been this big old concrete uh noose thing whatever words you want to use dragging guerrilla games down because look at how much life and vibrance and energy is in horizon zero dawn um I, I i got on board with kills and i was there at the beginning of it and it was never the halo killer it was never anything other than a big old gray and brown smudge that has just i hate that thing i hate everything that thing represents and gorilla are so much better without it let Killzone die mate dead, See, in dead classic zone. news lads scott and josh fashion we couldn't be more a part <laughs> no. of this one because i really like Killzone and what it stands for I, I agree. I agree. It was never like this Halo killer. It was never as big as it should be. It was never as refined or had its own identity as much as it should have had. But I right. enjoyed it. I thought there was potential there. So yeah, to circle back around to what the story actually is, like you said, the Killzone website has been completely shut down. If you try to go to killzone.com right now, it just right redirects you to playstation.com. This comes okay. with um, some functionality being removed from the previous games as well. For instance, you can't um, use clans in Killzone Shadowfall hmm. anymore. So for all intents, and purposes um sony seems to be dis distancing itself from the kills on brand and kind of semi retiring it by removing the website or whatever and like you said it seems to indicate that guerrilla games the developers are completely sticking with horizon as their main franchise from now on and we might not see Killzone for a good while now but to me man like i do think this sucks because sony and playstation don't have like a proper first party first person shooter anymore yeah. and i feel like it's a genre that they've just kind of forgotten about they pivoted away to make their brand based on these third person story driven action games which is mm -hmm. all well and good i love every single one of them including days gone but at the same <laughs> time i wouldn't mind a bit of you know variety in there i wouldn't mind them taking another crack at mm -hmm. first person shooters especially in the multiplayer sphere and giving us something interesting and the fact that Killzone is there it doesn't even have to be made by guerrilla games it could be any studio given the reins of it you know breathe some new life into it i just feel like there's more to be done 
done with that, especially in an era where we've seen so many PlayStation franchises come back, be mm-hmm. reinvigorated, like do the same thing to kill zone. I'd want it to see it happen. <laughs> you, you see, you've set me up for a lovely little bowling 10 pin smash here. What's the word with the... <laughs> The thing where you get all the 10 pins, it's very tiring. Strike. Strike's the word that I want, yeah, because this isn't an interesting game. This has never been an interesting franchise, <laughs> at least not to me. And and the thing is, like, they, Guerrilla just acquired those two dudes from Rainbow Six Siege, like their multiplayer director and the, that was like the level designer or something. So it's like, it always seemed like, you know, we, we've sort of ran with stuff of like, oh, it seems like Killzone's going to be revitalized on the, the PS5 and everything. Um, But I think they were, and I said this in the original video when we did it, they would always be so much better off just severing Killzone altogether. And for me, it's, it's not that I I more hate what Killzone represented in retrospect and I remember each installment coming out and just being a little bit naff like it was fine I like how weighty the uh, the uh, weapons were but I always thought it was a bit naff that you had to switch to a grenade separately and little things like that that just kept it away from how uh, how well something like Halo played um, so for me you know ditch ditch the Killzone branding for me it never worked everyone hated that stupid twist at the end of Killzone 2 where you were working towards <laughs> finding the Helgen uh, leader and then that dude that was meant to be like the rebel angry man just shot him and it was like mate what are you doing and so that for me <laughs> there's just there's so much more to be gained by just severing the kill zone branding um all the stuff with the helgen all the shadow fall all the stuff about them trying to find the new home world and it was just oh mate i, I can't i cannot say enough times how much better off i think that studio is without kill zone just because at least they could inject some primary colors into the damn thing you know, well, they did try to do that with Shadowfall, Scott, yeah. and it kind of went against everything the first two Killzone games. I did like the little owl. Kind of you could send a little owl out. That was nice. You little could do that. Um, you, you definitely could. I mean, I, <laughs> like Benroy, I'm here for them bringing back Killzone and Resistance. So oh. I don't know where you stand on that, but I'm going to very swiftly move on to the next story. Scott <laughs> Tilford. Um, because it's been two weeks since we've had any GTA 6 news, there mm-hmm. is a rumor going around. And I picked this up um, on Charlie Intel, which is primarily known for being a Call of Duty website, you know, reporting on Call of Duty and stuff. And that's because Tom Henderson, who is apparently a pretty um, notable Call of Duty leaker primarily, mm. tweeted out, quote, for the first time ever in the GTA title, GTA 6 have a female and male protagonist now this has been this is like kind of linking to a rumor that's been going around for a long time that going forward um, and well there will be a female playable protagonist in gta 6 and i just for me i think that's like an interesting idea and something that's kind of like long overdue especially if gta is going to stick with multiple um different characters as their protagonist you know letting you switch like they did in um, GTA 5. And I hope this isn't just kind of like a kind of customization thing like you get in a lot of games like Assassin's Creed, for instance, where you get to be either a male or female hero. I hope this is two distinct characters at the very least. And, you know, the female character gets their own distinct personality and their own distinct arc, just like Franklin, Trevor and Michael did in GTA Mm -hmm. 5, rather than just be kind of a creator character avatar stand-in thing. If it does happen. Yeah, that's the thing though, because the the leak is already surrounding the idea that you could pick between the two. It makes it feel more like what more devs are going with the sort of catch all. We can do we can do both. Don't worry about it. And just sort of like you said, Assassin's Creed has it. Immortals: Phoenix Rising has it. And I just I would want a more a, a written story about what it's like being a woman in the world of GTA because I think they've set up various sort of different things over the years. And it's like Rockstar have matured so much as a studio. Um, and you know, and you, you contrast like the as you know the writing at the beginning of GTA, um, you know, versus the 
way that someone like it, it's Sadie, isn't it? That's in Red Dead Two. Yeah, who's like Sadie, just an yeah. absolute badass, and it's like you could do. I would have for me, I would have had her have a whole separate game. I would take that, um, you know, as like a spin-off thing or something. And I kind of, but at the same time, you know, it's Dan Hauser that was writing all those characters over the years, and he himself who who matured alongside those characters, and obviously the Hauser brothers formed Rockstar and everything, and now he's left. So it's like you've got Sam Hauser in his place. Sam's the guy that wanted to do all the um, hot coffee stuff from San Andreas. He was the dude that literally emailed the workers at the time and said that they would release the game with the hot coffee sex scenes on the disc. And then he would um, <laughs> patch the game after uh, after retail to literally, quote unquote, unleash the darkness. So um, <laughs> as he loves a bit of that. So um, I don't know how much I trust uh, Big Sam Hauser writing anything that's more mature than that. But I, I love the idea of it. But I, th- I, would, I would want a proper written female character in the world of GTA. And even then, the world of GTA has for quite a while sort of been gaming South Park and even, you know, mm-hmm. um, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Yeah, that's the right way around. I used to always get them wrong when I was a kid. Matt Parker and Trey Stone. The other way around. <laughs> um, they said that the, the real world is so hard to lampoon right now because it feels like such a crazy over-the-top space. Um, and I wonder if that's, for me, that was the problem with GTA 5. It all kind of felt a bit toothless. Um, and I don't know, the more mainstream GTA got or the bigger it got, like GTA 5 still felt like this apology to it to me. So I don't really know where you take 6. Like, do you try and give it some more cartoonish, overblown energy that the original trilogy had on PS2? Or do you try and do something yeah. more gritty like GTA 4, but with a female protagonist? I don't know. I think we're at like a fascinating turning point, not just for GDA, but Rockstar as a mm. whole. Like you said, like Dan Hauser, who was so instrumental in writing all of, you know, like the big Rockstar experiences is no longer there. And of course he had co-writers who are still there, but it does feel like, or I guess there's open to interpretation at the Mm. moment how much the writing on this series is going to be different going forward without that core voice you know at the helm of it and it is going to be fascinating to see how they tackle the tone going forward are they going Mm. to continue gda5 and you know like you said be perhaps a bit more apologetic and a bit wackier with a character like trevor who is you know just unapologetically (laughs) violent and deviant and you know all of those um, things or will they adopt a more mature tone like Red Dead Redemption 2 like what GTA 4 start, uh, strove to achieve mm-hmm. I'm not sure but I think the idea of like you know focusing on a female character at all in this space like you said like that's fascinating and it isn't something they've done before and they've also proven in other games that they can write really interesting and compelling you know female characters so mm-hmm. putting you know one of those constructs at the heart of the game at, at, to be a protagonist, I do agree and hope that they get their individual arcs that they get, kinda, you know, like, properly written scenarios. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I wonder if you, if you swapped Trevor and had, if Trevor was a woman, I think I would have loved that character. Like if you had this whole world of like really aggressive gangsters and they have all these expectations of you know, going up against this female leader of a potential gang or whatever, and they come across female Trevor just stomping someone's head in, this brain on the bottom of the boot, yeah. and then she just looks up like, yeah, what? What do you, what do you need? Right, okay, let's like, <laughs> I would I would love that energy, but it's, uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if they have the writing team to be able to pull that off, but I've, I've wanted a female, a female protagonist in GTA since, I don't even know, GTA 4, uh, for as long as we've been yeah, covering 100%. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'll be here for this. Like, like I said, you know, at the moment, this is just from one leaker who primarily <laughs> leaks um, Call of Duty stuff. But it is something that, you know, comes up time and time again. And it does kind of feel right that this is the time where they'd finally allow it to happen. Like I said, especially if we're branching off to multiple different characters again, which I definitely want to see going forward. I know a lot of people don't like that in GTA 5, but for me, it was a cool oh, way to see thing. three different 
perspectives. I know I, I dug it as well, man. I have a I double whammy. Oh, sorry. Just no, no, it's very quickly. I, I was gonna say I do want them to do more with it mechanically. Like I like the idea that you zoom out mm-hmm. and zoom back in, zoom back into someone. But the only mission that that get, tends to get related to is like the the skyscraper infiltration bit, where like one one guy is rappelling down, someone else is the sniper, someone else is on a different floor, and you just jump between them. I kind of like the idea of them structuring missions around that. Yeah, you are right. I mean, the the reason I played Michael the most in that game was just because he had the slow motion ability, yep. you know what I mean? And it's like, I think you need to make them a bit more distinct, perhaps, and not make one play style preferable for people. I think each each of them needs a more compelling reason to jump between them rather than just the narrative they have. But yeah, like, I think there's like so much potential to build on GTA 5. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're going to see so much more from GTA 5 going forward because we've got the bloody oh. remaster coming out later this year, GTA Online and GTA 5. So that's going to be the interesting to change anything. The re-remaster, mate. The, the, <laughs> the remaster, the, the triple remake. Endless uh, edition. Special Oreo edition. I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I've got double whammy of God of War news next, actually, Scott Tilford, because Ooh. Roger Clark, a.k.a. Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Redemption 2. So there was a nice little segue there between the Rockstar news. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if you noticed or appreciated that. I did, mate. Um, he was on Instagram um, earlier last week. This was picked up by the Gaming Bible, who reported that he actually put a story on Instagram about um, job opportunities at Sony Santa Monica Studio, which mm. is obviously in production on the next God of War. So they were speculating, and now fans are speculating whether or not he's going to be involved in some way with this sequel. And to me, you can put Roger Clark in everything because I think the dude is awesome and a great actor and I want to see him in some kind of God of War sequel playing a god, perhaps. Like, I'm here for that. All well, my favorite things in God of War is that um, is ha- when you had, um, I can't think of their names now. Very, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking on the information this afternoon. I'm very much burnt <laughs> out trying to do this at four o'clock after a day of the banter. Um, but yeah, the uh, the two brothers that were in uh, the original God of War, the God of War 2018 one where you had, it was Nolan North and Troy Baker and they were the two brothers fighting with each other. Whatever those guys were called, Modi and someone else. I like the Magdi idea. Magdi and Modi. The, Magdi the two and Modi. Thaws. The two dudes. The, the, no, no, no. The dude that Atreus kills. And then like, then Atreus is like, oh my God. Like, I can't believe that I just did this. And then, well, yeah, he's, he's totally was, fine with it. That was Magni and Modi. I want to say yeah. it's Magni and Modi. Mags Am I making that up? Whoever they are, yeah. Tweedledum. Um, I love the idea of finding out later that that was Troy Baker and Nolan North. Troy Baker is also the small little weasel thing that you can unlock, the little uh, Ratskier thing you can get. Um, anyway, but um, just to sort of throw some random tidbit in that Troy Baker made me think of. But point being that someone like Roger Clark or um, whatever his full name was, I don't know how much he could stand out by himself. Like, you know, you hear Troy Baker, you hear Nolan North, you can completely hear, you know exactly who they are. Um, whereas I think um, after Red Dead, I don't know whether he would just sound like Arthur Morgan placed in God of War. <laughs> Depends how big his role is, I guess. But he's he obviously shot to the top of everybody's recognition lists after Red Dead. So yeah, more yeah. from that dude. Well, I mean, like, for one, they've got to put in, like, a boy joke. You've got to give uh, <laughs> Christopher Judge doing his best boy and then Roger Clark doing oh. his best boy. But I think, you know, you, you mentioned something there. You, you mentioned that, you know, like, Troy Baker now is so recognisable that mm. no matter what role he's playing, you know it's Troy Baker. He and ruined for me, Spider-Man recently, for you. Yeah, that recently came to a head in Spider-Man Miles Morales where he's playing the big dick um, CEO guy. <laughs> and I just thought, like... You're just you're just playing Troy Baker in this part, like you're right. just doing the Troy Baker voice. And like it's good, and it's solid. His voice. I know it is his voice, but there's also like a disconnect now where mm. I, I I know it's the actor. And I think with Roger Clark, even though his Arthur Morgan is so iconic, perhaps there's more ways for him to 
blend into whatever role he's given and kind of like take it on more to the point where there isn't that kind of distance where I'm just mm. saying, you're Roger Clark doing Roger Clark. You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like with video game voice acting and video game motion capture, a lot of times developers are choosing from the same pool of actors and yep. that's cool in a way because they are very talented, but there are so many people they could like turn to that would do perhaps uh, just as good of a job or if not a better job, you know, doing something else, not being so recognizable. You know, it's kind of like casting Robert De Niro in something. Like you right. see Robert De Niro first and foremost, whereas if you cast someone, you know, who hasn't done as much or isn't as instantly recognizable, they might be able to slip into a role in a way that's slightly more convincing and immersive perhaps. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've got a bit off topic just talking well, no, about the, acting in general, but it's just something me... I thought of. After Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah, the thing that, that, that made me think of was in Hellblade, like getting uh, Melissa Jurgens, I think that's her full name, to be um, to be yeah. uh, Senua, um, where she hadn't acted before and she just, just came out of nowhere and completely dominated it. And it's like, if someone has this latent talent that the right sort of casting director can pick up on, then yeah, I, I would always take that. I mean, as much as I love the likes of Troy Baker and Nolan North and, um, you know, X number of the... Um, Voice actors, I would always take some new mm -hmm. newcomer. They'd always bring something fresh to the table. Like Hellblade, for for me, all of its faults in the puzzle design and stuff, the acting is absolutely unbelievably good. And I think you got that because yeah. it was someone proving themselves and having a lot to uh, you know put into the project. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 100 percent um i want to i just want to see him like do i want to see like more talent rise up in that same way you know what i mean Mm. like this is like the best person for the job like give them a try you know give give them a go see what see what happens because like you said in the in the in the in hellblades terms like that Mm -hmm. turned out so well i also have the second part of this god of war news scott tailford and it's something i know you're going to have a lot of um opinions on and that's because david jaffe david jaff i always get it mixed up i think (laughs) it's it's jaffe Jaffe. is it jaffe Big bad I thought it was Jaffe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep getting it mixed up with like Jaffa Cakes, man. It's, it's my fault there. <laughs> um, David Jaffe, who obviously, you know, directed the original God of War, yes. cr- was instrumental in its creation, has been playing Mr. God Twisted of War Metal. 2018. I think, yeah, and Twisted Metal, has been playing God of War 2018 for the very first time. I think he's playing it on Twitch. He's streaming it either okay. way. And in one of these streams, he's been answering questions and stuff. And he said... Um, quote, I'm sure the next God of War will be PS5 slash PS4. Of course it will. And that, <laughs> everyone's kind of like running with that. Obviously, he's not involved with the production of God of War 2, God no. of War Ragnarok, whatever you want to call it. But it's, if he's convinced that it's going to be cross-gen, I feel like it backs up claims and reports that we've heard, you know, at the end of last year that yeah. it's going to be this cross-gen release and it won't be PlayStation 5 exclusive, which I keep going backwards and forwards on, man. I don't know whether I'm, I'm all in on this, this idea. I'm of, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm all in on the idea of them making the most of the 120 million PlayStation 4s that are out there mm. or whether I want to see the beefiest version of God of War Ragnarok as possible <laughs> as a PlayStation I, 5 exclusive. I'm a million percent the latter. Like, I, I, I want to be all peace and love for all, and I am, if it was me, but I I want a PS5 game. I just, I'm, I don't care about you making it work on the previous gen. I didn't drop half a thousand pounds to get this thing, to sit and look at it and go, oh, well, you know, if I play the old thing, it up to like 4K or, or auto HDRs to this thing. I thought I would care more about that. And I did initially. And I spent most of my holiday the last couple of weeks, the, the couple of weeks around Christmas, playing as many different games as possible. And it's not that they run brilliantly, but the second you play something that's actually built for the PS5 or built for next gen, then it's it's night and day, like in terms of just the overall smoothness, like the, the amount of different graphical fidelity features that are there. Things that just make me go, I want to get on with this generation, to be honest. Can we crack on? Because we're just sort of, as you know, like were the consoles released too early? Like, is it just that kind of thing where not enough games are ready? Like, you know, like Sony have got their slate sort of laid out for 20, uh, 2021. Um, but, but Microsoft certainly don't. Like the only thing that's coming on their side for now is Halo. And I just kind of go, well, we bought these new systems. We sort of had faith in you guys that you'll have next gen offerings. And I want them. Like God of War 2, God of, yeah. God of War Ragnarok was always going to be this PS5 game. Um, and I think because they won't just nail it down, it's a little bit annoying because they're just sort of, every time they get asked about it, more directly obviously when it's not jaffe when it's someone more like cory barlog um they just sort of say well you know we don't have anything to say at this time and it's like that can be fine but i think you're kind of you're staring disappointment in the face and you won't acknowledge it um because 
at some point in the project's design, there'll be something they can't do because they can't take full advantage of the SSD or they can't take full advantage of the next gen hardware or whatever. And that's just going to suck for me because I don't know, like just completely personally, completely subjectively, I want a PS5 game and I didn't spend the money to play an up-resed PS4 game or a version that was made to work on both. Like look at Cyberpunk. If Cyberpunk proves anything, it's that it's held back so much by those older systems. Yeah, I'll fully kind of, ah, Andrew, Andrew, I do Andrew, agree, Andrew. especially when I first got the PlayStation 5, I was like, yeah, I want more PlayStation 5 games, like give me experiences <laughs> that justify this console. And I wonder whether it's kind of like a knock-on effect of Sony embracing exclusives over the past generation that they've gotten like more money than ever from selling these games. Like, mm. you know, you look at Spider-Man, you look at um, Ghost of Tsushima, you look at The Last of Us Part Two or whatever, like these games sell so much and they're making so much money from that in a way that they just never did on like the PlayStation 3 era of consoles. Like Uncharted obviously made a lot of money on the PlayStation 3, mm-hmm. but it was nowhere near like the level of interest and the level of kind of like brand recognition that Sony has built over the past generation on these exclusives. So I wonder whether they're simply weighing up how much money they might lose by only releasing it on a PlayStation 5 that has a 20 million person install base when they could release it on the PlayStation 4 as well and get like a guaranteed... 20 million copies sold and that mm. like used oh, the to be sales back data, in the day. yeah it makes all the sense yeah like it used to be back in the day i think that um exclusives would you know drive console sales would encourage people to pick up consoles alongside the games but now i wonder whether they're just their own beast to the point where you know like they can just live off these exclusives and make loads of money and that's why they're so kind of resistant to fully migrate their franchises over to the next gen at the moment well, that, that's a million percent what Xbox is doing. Like, it's just sort of like, we don't care where you play this, that here's a bunch of different access points, whether it's an Xbox from 2013 or it's the Xbox series systems or you've got the half-step systems or whatever else. They, they've fully committed to that. It's all part of their message. I think the thing that annoys me at the core of Sony is that they went back and forward on that so much. Like, they were initially, we believe in generations, and then it's like, actually, no, even some games from 2021 are still going to be coming out on the PS4. I, it's not that I obviously have a, a core problem with people enjoying games. Like, you know, the more the merrier. Like, you play as many different games as you can. But I also think it's worth addressing, and it is valid, that they put new systems out and the, the new system should have things that show off what they can do in the same way mm-hmm. that, you know, any sort of game dev can make these big, over-the-top, lavish productions, these big AAA productions, um, you know, and they want to make them for the biggest, you know, most capable hardware possible. And I want to see what those projects look like. I don't want things to be held back by older tech. You know, you could have, like, I, I see both sides of it, obviously, um, but I want to see the newest, most lavish, most over-the-top thing. And uh, maybe there's a way to please both sides it's not like we haven't had cross-gen releases before um but i mean it reminds me of like you know splinter cell double agent or something where like the 360 version was one thing and the original xbox one was something else completely um and maybe that's the case maybe that's how you please both people but um i don't know until they saw that was yeah you see that was always so weird that though like having two completely different versions of the same game like i remember like looking double agent is just (laughs) absolutely blown my mind because that's sparked so many memories i remember looking in official xbox magazine about the regular edition of double agent and being like that's not what i got that's not the game that i bought and i have no idea why i played both right and there's there's features in the original xbox one like there was there's a great feature in the original double agent on on original xbox where if you got seen by a guard you could push different buttons in like a quick time event and you could get out of being seen you would like arrest them or take them down and keep going the next gen quote unquote one the 361 didn't have that at all and the next gen one looked gorgeous but was still kind of chaos theory's engine and just felt really weird and the alarm system was different and the the suit thing on the back of uh, sam fisher 
Fisher and everything, the light detection thing just looks completely different. But that was, for me, one of the most notable times that a cross-gen experiment happened. And I, for me, I liked the original one better, but that was because it had a different mechanic in. So I don't, they have all those questions to answer. How do you maintain feature parity? How do you satisfy everybody? Um, but I just think someone will, well, it'll be me, someone will be disappointed if they can't just do a big old <laughs> PS5 thing. Because what's the, what are we doing? What are we doing as an industry if we're still thundering for you need the new hardware? Oh, do all the next generation start? Does it? Does it start here, Sony? Are you going to wait the next three years? Well, I mean, you know what? I think there is a big distinction to be made as well because when the PlayStation Four came out, like that thing had no exclusives for like three years. You know, I remember hey, the was question right there, they continued asking. Was right there. No, sh- 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Knack bad. Knack no, no good. You were just no, saying about no Shadow, Shadow Fall games bad. No, no, but it was not a system seller. It's not the level <laughs> of God of War or Uncharted. No. And you know, for like the first few years of the consoles. Um, lifestyle, lifestyle, life cycle. <laughs> we were being like, we were, we were saying, where's the exclusives? What have they got up their sleeve? Mm-hmm. But this time, because they've like hit the ground running, like they don't have that luxury of time. They don't have that handover period where there's no big exclusives. Like arguably, Horizon Zero Dawn two, God of War two, the upcoming No Doubt Spider Man two. Like they're some of the biggest games Sony has on their slate, probably for like the entire generation to come. Yeah. So I can kind of see them being like, well, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready earlier than they were on the last gen. So we need to revise our plan. We can't do the same thing. We've got to adapt and stuff. And I guess it, time will tell, Scott, whether <laughs> it'll only be you who's disappointed or whether it'll be someone else entirely. Well, judging by the, like the, obviously the, the hashtag discourse, like a lot of people are already on, if, if there's sides to pick, then my side in regards to wanting as much as possible out of the PS5. Like you said you went back and forward on it anyway. Um, and I've, I mean, obviously brass tacks, I'll be completely satisfied with God of War Ragnarok. The story means more than some graphical fidelity stuff. But I just, on a base game design level, like something that the next gen sort of didn't necessarily prioritize, but offered is the idea of games built without loading times and, and building something that could completely, could only be playable on the the next gen and that's why ratchet and clank rift apart isn't going to be on ps4 and that for me is so fundamentally exciting because you can't yeah. do it on previous gen and i want to see more stuff like that like what can game devs fundamentally only do on new gen tech and if you pair that with a an ip as big as god of war then i want to see what that is um you know and they got so close with the 2018 one as well like the everything's all in one shot but then it's a caveat because you go through the trees of yggdrasil to sort of yeah. mask it some of the loading and like and it, they were so close to pulling that whole thing off um and for the most part they still did but i'm just i'm super curious on an artistry tech creativity level where i want to see game devs push as much as possible and i don't want last gen stuff to be a glass ceiling that they just occasionally bump into it's kind of like weird owning these consoles right now because we've got mm. them we're love with them but we're like <laughs> okay what experiences do we have to look forward to that we couldn't get um elsewhere and i wonder mm-hmm. whether we're just looking at it wrong because that's how it's been every other generation and that's just not how it's going to be or whether you know some studios just have like these aces up their sleeves that we haven't shown yet like i was looking um, earlier at the um re- the release date list for games coming out this year and there's kind of like there's not that much penciled in at the right minute. Now, yeah. like there's a lot we kind of know about but nothing firmly in in the release win- the release schedule is looking quite vacant and i'm just kind of my my mind is running wild with imagination and wondering what those games could be what playstation 5 exclusives are going to blow me away or xbox series x exclusives are going to make me want to splash you know 500 pounds on an xbox series x and pick that up like they've got to be there somewhere i just don't know where i think um, as well they are 
it doesn't have to be platform exclusives, but next gen exclusives, stuff, like I yeah. said, features, fundamentals, mechanics, whatever, art design, things that could only be done on the next gen. That's what I want to see. I want to like make the investment worthwhile um, and just see what they're coming out with. Because, yeah, like, the, I mean, the calendar's pretty sparse. Obviously, the industry was impacted by 2020. Like, you can't get away from that. So maybe it is just a case of waiting things out. But I think to bring it back to Sony again, I don't think they've been very clear. Like, they've just gone back and forward on it. And I've always said they're such a reactive company, and it feels like that's entirely what mm-hmm. they are doing. Like, even what was it like three weeks before the PS5 came out? And it was like, oh, we've got the PlayStation Plus collection because the Game Pass is a thing <laughs> and we can do that as well. So we sort of just do it on the side. And I'm like, oh, Sony, like, if, can you not just lead with something instead of waiting for someone else? Yeah. And so, you know, there's all that stuff. But um, I understand you have one more story, Josh. Brown. I do one quick one. And this was um, something I saw on Games Radar. Mm-hmm. noted that um, something Battlefront 3 related might be going down because they um, were looking at the Star Wars Battlefront subreddit mm-hmm. who in the post on there noticed that um, a bunch of actors who worked on Star Wars Battlefront 2 were actually all doing motion capture in Los Angeles in November 2020. So this was um, Janina Gavanka who played mm-hmm. um, Aiden Versio. We've got Anthony Scotty who was Admiral Versio. We've got TJ Romani, aka Del Mico. So all of these were characters from- <laughs> All these were characters from um, Battlefront 2, and if they're working on something together, it kind of um, could suggest that we've got something in this universe mm. coming soon. And even though, you know, Battlefront 2 wrapped up all of its content mid last year or whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like that game was pulled around so much, and there's such a dedicated fan base there. And at this point, a Battlefront 3 just makes a lot of sense. Like, EA is slowly, hopefully, kind of pulling back the Star Wars license and kind of maybe doing it justice, starting with turning Battlefront around and starting with Jedi Fallen Order, that I think, and they might mess it up, Scott, because they messed it up twice already, but they might be able to finally do it justice. Third time might be the charm. Maybe. You know? I mean, I tell you what, Josh Brown, the why, how, I love that it's taken them this long to realize that if they just let creatives be creatives, respect <laughs> the time and the development and don't try and nickel and dime the consumer, maybe things will do well. Like it's just maybe just give it a little bit of time instead of just sort of, you know, trying to pull and stretch things into a million different directions and then siphon it off and charge you for the full picture. I think in this case, um, because it's those three uh, characters, um, did you play the extra DLC for Battlefront 2 where Aiden was really old? And had a... No, but I, I saw images of it where she was okay. really old. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I didn't finish it, but that was the thing. That character is pretty pretty damn old by the end of Battlefront 2. That I, if you're gonna bring, if you're gonna do more with with that particular character in, in that timeline, I don't don't know if you even could, but I, I don't know if there's enough goodwill around Aiden, um, you know, in a way that would sort of um, you know, carry across to the start of Battlefront 3 and have like the ongoing war and continue with them. Then maybe you could, but um. I don't know. I mean, like the I'm sure I read a thing the other day that the Mandalorian referenced the Inferno squad and referenced um stuff from Battlefront 2. So it's like it is, it does seem like somewhere there's like a more united vision of Star Wars going forward. Um obviously it goes across different industries and stuff, but um with the goodwill behind Mandalorian, I guess Star Wars is more approachable right now than it was after Rise of Skywalker, where everyone was just like Disney have completely yeah. effed this. I do think, you know, getting getting a bit off topic, I think like the Mandalorian <laughs> is certainly 
started the new upturn in Star Wars mm. after you know the, the last end of season the Rise two? of Skywalker. Yeah, season two is uh, oh, it's a completely different podcast. That we'll, <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to jump into um, Ben Roy and Ewan's uh, Mandalorian podcast yes. and just come in with our. Oh, we'll text, just make the I... news lads its own separate Star Wars thing because I can't argue <laughs> with those two people on Star Wars anymore. I just have to say things in an echo chamber and have you maybe go yeah, maybe and then I just move on to something else. Just <laughs> be too polite to fight you on it. Just be like, yeah, hey, sure, man. Sure. The, the too polite to fight podcast that's all it needs to be <laughs> that's it that's absolutely it but uh yeah like you said i mean i feel like star wars in general seems to be on the rise yet mm. again the rise of skywalker bish bash hey. bosh and i would take more games you know after fallen um after fallen order like i'm, I'm here for it and i just hope ea has learned their lesson and isn't just going to try to make everything a live service or a multiplayer <laughs> grind fest and actually do it justice. Like just, 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 just please, just, just like, just, just chill out for once. Like take <laughs> your hands off it and just be like, go on. He's one for you. You, you do me a Star Wars game, mm-hmm. and I won't complain about it. Like if that's. Like, I want that to be EA's approach to this franchise going forward. The thing is, uh, it's same. The thing is, it, it, it's it's strange because when Battlefront 2 started approaching the prequel stuff, that was one of the first times that any sort of major production had gone back to the prequels and just said, hey, guys, it's okay. Like, you know, we can have fun with this. There's so much ephemera here that we're not making the, making use of, from, like, Naboo Starfighters to just having fun on, I don't know, just even Django Fett, like, just being able to say, like, hey, look, we can bring these dudes back. The sequel trilogy doesn't really have that, doesn't really have you know, this sort of like bunch of planets or iconography or like characters, sure, Kylo, Ray, Finn, whatever, but it's not like we have scenes we can't wait to see in the game or like battles that we can't wait to relive. I can't even think of any particular battle off the top of my head from the sequel trilogy other than the very end of Rise of Skywalker, but that would just be a generic fight in the sky with like, you know, 2,000 um, Star Destroyers. So I I don't know, like I, I wonder what they're going to do. This, because it's these characters, I think it's DLC and I think they're just going to mm-hmm. keep going with Battlefront 2 um, as like a, a final sort of we're done thing um but maybe it is a pivot i mean i guess it could be either well i wonder whether if ea doesn't want to commit to another you know full-scale battlefront game and call it battlefront 3 maybe they're worried that in the mainstream the the name of the franchise hasn't kind of recovered enough i wonder Mm -hmm. if they just make battlefront itself like a platform for content like as like rainbow six siege or something like that you know what i mean kind Mm -hmm. of like bring together the best of battlefront one battlefront two and just make this kind of like battlefront multiplayer thing where you have like these heroes perhaps they're not coming back for story stuff perhaps they're coming back as like playable characters in the multiplayer or something like that you know what i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be a full-blown story campaign or something i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what they're going to do yeah i mean if they just rebranded it and just called it star wars battlefront again you know not (laughs) star wars battlefront again although even then i would probably take that um but just have that be you know the all-in-one rocket league overwatch style thing where it's it's just star wars battlefront and they don't have to worry about it because the last generation was so many experiments with that sort of stuff and like when do you call it a separate installment when do you like overwatch 2 do we even need the number and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so um yeah if they just were bringing these characters back there's one piece of story dlc and we're going to rebrand everything thing and it's just star wars battlefront for me that makes more sense and would go down better than we're doing sequel trilogy stuff because i just think everyone would be like oh god we're not ready yet we're not ready to fully appreciate (laughs) (laughs) the the little that that sort of trilogy got right um but anyway not to worry for now we are the news lads this has been the news lads let us know what you think over on social media come find us have a bant and let us know what's going on with your thoughts on all these different stories um but yes for now this has been the news lads i've been scott tailford joined by josh brown Hello, goodbye. It's been lovely. I'm losing my marbles. It's so close (laughs) to the end of the day, but I've loved it as always.
As always, mate. Yes, this this time next week, we'll be right back. And we'll catch all of you guys next time as well. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>